And welcome in, everybody, to Off of the Helmets, courtesy of DSP Media. Happy almost Thanksgiving. I'm Brady Tinker. Thrilled to be here with you. I've uh, been hanging out at the Star, been finding out everything that you need to know. And this is big, man. Doesn't this feel big? It's almost Thanksgiving Day. The New York damn Giants are in town, and maybe Odell Beckham Jr. is going to be in town to watch this game as well. Dable's still a good coach. Danny Dimes is still playing better than he's played all year. Are we worried about this game? I hope the Cowboys are worried. Let's talk about it. Cowboys and Giants and pie next, right here on Off of the Helmets. And here we go. I'm Brady Tinker, Off of the Helmets, DSP Media. Happy to be with you on this Wednesday afternoon talking about a Cowboy team that is playing very good football at 7-3. and three. Here come the Giants. They're 7-3 and three as well. And they limp a bit into town with an injury list that seemingly looks like they are a decimated football team. I doubt that's the case, but there are things that they are going to be able to do and not going to be able to do, and that's just flatly how it is. So you're going to see a lot of running from the New York Giants. Here is their list of injuries, and I'm not going to go through every name, but they have four offensive linemen on the list who have DNP'd the first three days of this week. Tomorrow's the game. They're in town. Wide receivers available begin and end with Darius Slayton, not terrible, and Kenny Galladay, who we all know is rich and doesn't give a shit. The rest of the names, I don't know. So the chances are you don't know. Now, Richie James, maybe you know that a little bit, special teams guy as well that may fit in. He's doubtful as well. I don't I don't really know what they're going to do. David Sills, Isaiah Hodgins. I said I wasn't going to say the names, and here they are. Marcus Johnson, tight end Daniel Bellinger, got hurt two or three weeks ago with an eye socket injury. Uh, he is still very questionable for this game as well. So they've got two tight ends you don't know either. Uh, they've got two right tackles listed, and both of them are out. So I, maybe no one's going to play right tackle. Uh, cornerbacks, Adoree Jackson is out. Fabian Moreau is most likely out. Safety, Jason Pinnock uh, is out. Part of their nickel and dime packages. They, they've got questions everywhere. Who is going to play? Saquon Barkley, who is playing very, very well. And should, we should not push aside the New York Giants running game and say they can't do it because these names are not here. The bottom line is your Cowboys team has worked into itself into a very good running football team with what is a makeshift offensive line. And I've got some news on that as well. So here comes Saquon Barkley, who went 14 for 81 and a touchdown of 36 yards in week three against the Cowboys. And Daniel Jones, who carried it nine times for 79 yards in week three, the victory that the Cowboys had 23-16. Now, that was Cooper Rush and company, and that was a different Cowboys team, at least, at least from the offensive side of the football. The Cowboys now finally have Dak where they want him to be, and we're going to get to that in a minute. Uh, but by the way, it was 10 yards a crack running the football between Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones in week number three against the Cowboys. It got way better, you're going to say, against Minnesota. We solved it. 185 total yards that the Vikings came up with, but they gave up running the football pretty early, and their running back still averaged 5.3 yards per carry. So let's see. I, I think the disposition is correct. I think the attention to detail that was put in the Minnesota game is correct, and all of it is to adjust primarily to take care of the run. And I'm telling you, the Giants are going to try as hard as they can not to throw any passes. This is going to be whole... Uh, Patriots game from a couple of years ago where he threw three passes. I mean, it honestly could be that. Um, week number three, Cooper Rush was the quarterback. 
Pollard went 13 for 105 at 8.1 yards a carry. Zeke 15 for 79 at 4.9 yards a carry. He had a touchdown. Lamb was 8 for 87 and a touchdown. There was no Dalton Schultz. And this thing was relatively close to the vest in a 23-16 win that was primarily dominated by your Cowboys defense. Dan Quinn and company got this thing going in week two. It carried through week three, four, five, six. And they got this team to where they needed to be until Dak could get back. Demarcus Lawrence had three sacks of Daniel Jones, who will hold the football. Donovan Wilson had 16 tackles. Dorrance Armstrong had a sack, and boy, hasn't he had a year. Micah Parsons, quiet. Two quarterback hits, uh, one tackle for loss, another net. Parsons was pretty quiet. They hit the quarterback 12 times overall. They sacked him five times. Those are things that do cause Daniel Jones in the past to throw interceptions and make mistakes. And he hadn't thrown a touchdown, or excuse me, an interception since week three until last week when he was bothered a little bit. He was tousled and hit around, and they lost in bad fashion to the Detroit Lions, did the Giants. And are they reeling? We'll see. Uh, what I remember about that game was C.D. Lamb came up with a really big catch on a fade to give the Cowboys a lead with about eight and a half minutes left to go. Good throw, good catch. He'd had a couple other drops in that game that were disappointing. And then in the end, the Cowboys or the Giants get the ball back with maybe just under two minutes left, and Diggs intercepts Daniel Jones, his first inter or his last interception until last week at the 145 mark, and the game is over. News from this morning, Chris Canty and I became <clears throat> pretty good friends uh, doing some radio together and stuff like that when he was here as a Cowboy. I value him, and he's an ESPN guy who this morning said that he's worried about this game for the Cowboys, that the Giants will go with the big people package, uh, and so I started looking into that. Uh, in the game we mentioned in week three, Saquon had 14 carries for 83 yards. That number goes up. Canty says that number may double if they can get done what they want to get done. 28 for 160 for Barkley. If you just flip those numbers, it's not that easy. And Daniel Jones, 9 for 90. If he does more, all of a sudden, you know, there is an issue. I have trouble streaming to Twitch. This may be an issue. Okay. Anyway, Tim, trouble streaming to Twitch, it says. Um, but anyway, that may be an issue if the Giants team can run like they want to. And I think the Cowboys are well-intentioned. I think they know they haven't tackled well. I think I mentioned it to you on the last show. They had something that Dan Quinn called a problem with a crack and fill. And I was like, okay, keep going because all kinds of things come into my mind and none of them are football. So the crack and fill is a wide receiver or maybe a tight end cracks in on a defensive end on essentially um, – tank or whoever it is on the defensive ends and pushes them just a little bit inside. So at that point, when that happens, right, whoever is in proximity, the closest on either defensive end side that that happens on comes up and fills the spot. It's usually a cornerback. They don't really want to. How aggressively do they come flying to the line of scrimmage to essentially fill in for the defensive end? Not very aggressively. And that has been part of the problem with teams then getting on the edge. Barkley, as we know, can run in the middle and can run on the edge. Breida will try and get more on the edge. And Daniel Jones will probably have more designed runs in this game than normal because of what they're trying to do. So the 22 package, if the Giants were to run that, would be two running backs and two tight ends. And I looked at that and I'm like, well, Breed is not lead blocking for him. But they do have a guy, Chris uh, Myrick, who is a tight end who also does some fullback situations. So maybe big old Chris Myrick is in there leading Saquon into the hole on second short, third and short, fourth and short, whatever it may be. And they may at times, the Giants, go six linemen, two tight ends, and a fullback. 
That's nine people blocking the Cowboys at the point of attack. That will bring lots of Cowboys up as well. Uh, in that situation, you have a quarterback and a wide receiver or your two other players, and that's it. So Canty says expect to see that. Expect the Giants to try and take the air out of this game in the pace with which it's played. They're going to slow the pace down. They're going to try and limit the Cowboys to 55 to 60 plays as opposed to, what, 79 two weeks ago in Green Bay in an overtime game, and I think 70 last week against Minnesota. You can see, you can see the difference, right? They're going to try and keep the Cowboys to probably what is – two less opportunities or two less drives. If that happens, the game stretches out a little bit. Uh, it's a running game. The points are lower and the Cowboys covering their line becomes more difficult. Not saying it's going to happen. I'm just telling you, that's what Canty told me. And that's what I think the Cowboys fully expect because what else they got? Galladay doesn't really want to play. Uh, Slayton's not terrible. They don't have a tight end. I mean, what are they going to do? They are going to run the football. And Dable's a good coach, and we know that. Why are the Giants this good? Why is Daniel better, Danny Dimes, better at this point in his career than he's ever been in his life? Dable's had a major effect. He's seeing the game differently. He's slowing things down. He's not throwing interceptions with the exception of two last week. Nine touchdowns, four interceptions. He's had a really good year, and there's a reason the Giants are seven and four, or seven and three. Oh, may have been predicting there. Um so the Giants come to town. It's a short week for the Cowboys, but it's obviously a short week for the Giants as well. They have injury issues. You've heard the Cowboys have injury issues, and I have that for you. Um, Osei Odigizua and three other people have been ill this week. Um, not COVID-related, but they've got a stomach bug, apparently. Uh, and so does one of the cornerbacks, and I can't remember who it was. So literally, the Cowboys in the last couple of days in the locker room have been wearing masks. Uh, they masked up. They were not going to let this thing decimate them in terms of who plays or who doesn't. Who defends the Giants? How do we do against the Giants if they go six linemen, two tight ends, and a fullback and try and cram it right up our asses? Well, Oseo Digizu is going to be fine. Hankins, D-Law, Dorrance Armstrong, fill-ins are Sam Williams, Carlos Watkins, Neville Gallimar, Terrell Basham, and Dante Fowler Jr. I'd say we're equipped. It will be the willingness of everyone else, the safeties, who three of them on this team hit like hammers, and the cornerbacks to come up and help. Curse, Hooker, and Donovan Wilson like to hit. Leighton Vander Esch. The, the, the one question mark I have really for the Cowboys who going to play or not going to play is still Anthony Barr. Anthony Barr's got an issue and has been limited or DNP all week. Micah obviously is going to be there, and Damone Clark, who you're getting used to seeing. The Cowboys have plenty of players to handle this. I preach to you every week, hey, they're playing 16, 17, 18 guys on the defensive side of the football, and they're getting a minimum of 15 to 18 plays, which is keeping fresh legs and is keeping guys happy and letting them know they are a part of this football team, and it's important what it is they're doing for this football team. So the Cowboys have the manpower. And what we heard right before the game last week was they spent a lot of time after the Green Bay game talking, the players did, and basically saying, listen, losing in the NFL happens. Look around. Look at good teams that we think are good teams losing to bad teams. And it's happened to essentially everybody, including now Philadelphia, who got whipped by Washington. So everybody in this league is susceptible. This isn't these aren't the 49ers of the late 70s and early 80s. These aren't the Cowboys of the 90s. There's really not that team or those teams in the NFL at this time. There's just not. There's not that much depth. There's not that many great players that set any teams, four teams like it used to be maybe in the league, far and above the others. There just aren't. 
So the the Cowboys can do this, but anyone can lose. That's the point. Um, Daniel Jones, I mentioned this, um, is second in the NFL. The Cowboys are second in the NFL in sacks. Daniel Jones can be bothered, can be flushed, will give the pocket up early. Don't know if there will be a spy on him. He's not a bad one to spy because he's not the fastest guy in the world. He's a very good runner. He's he's he he he's elusive. He's tall and he's long and he's hard to get down. But he's not, you know, he's not the Ravens quarterback. He's not lightning fast. He's just a really good athlete. So the Cowboys have 42 sacks. Uh, only one of the team has more than that in the NFL. They got 12 pressure, or 12 hits on him at, in the last game. Five sacks. They'll be after him. He knows it. So I think more designed runs coming for Daniel Jones rather than standing around here and counting to the two and a half or three and waiting for Micah to be breathing down his neck and then seeing if there's a spot to get out, which I would think the Cowboys probably would spy, especially on passing down. Someone stays in the middle. I don't know if it's Van Der Esch, um, but someone stays in the middle with an eye on Daniel Jones. I do think that'll happen. Nine touchdowns, four picks. He's been sacked quite a few times. He's not really had a fumbling issue. He's a big, strong kid. Um, but the, the Giants have lost two of three, and they are reeling a little bit. They've lost to Seattle and Detroit. Uh, not the biggest sins. We saw Detroit after their bye week, and they played the Cowboys pretty tough. Seattle's been a shockingly good team. I think we just have to give that head coach credit. They've been a shockingly good team sitting here at six and four. And then the game they did win was against the Texans. They still sit here at seven and three, but they seem for the moment like a different team, mostly due to injuries. Uh, and then last week against Detroit looked a little bit like a team that might be coming apart. So this is the challenge for Dable, uh, the new head coach, is how do we respond? We've been better than everyone thought. We maybe been better than we thought. No one would admit that, but that's been the case. But last week against Detroit, they were handled. Um, they couldn't really get anything going offensively. Daniel threw a couple of interceptions that he probably shouldn't have. And all of a sudden, Giants fans are like, uh-oh, here it comes. We have too many injuries, too much going on. Danny's head is spinning a little bit. The head coach is in this situation really for the first time where he's having to handle true adversity across the board on his team. And they got whipped pretty good by Detroit. And they got four days, three days to get ready to come to Dallas to play a Thanksgiving Day game. So while this is in the wheelhouse of the Dallas Cowboys, it, it is not for the New York Giants. They don't do this every year. So we'll see how all that works out. The Cowboys, if they win this game, and this is what we're all thinking about, end up with a huge advantage. They beat the Giants in week three. If they win this week in week 12, it is then they will have a monstrous advantage over the Giants almost no matter what happens going forward. And you sort of have stepped over one of the NFC East opponents that you need to get over. Now we'll look at whether or not we think we can step over the Philadelphia Eagles and finish that off on December 24th when they come to town. We'll look at that in a minute. But this would be a huge game. Obviously, division games are big. Eagles and the Cowboys are both now 2-1 and one within the division, so the Cowboys would get a leg up here. They would certainly almost eliminate from their rearview mirror, if things stay all equal, the New York Giants, as far as it's concerned of the Cowboys getting the better seed. That's sort of the point. Here's the Eagles games, if you want to look. You want to think about it a minute. Sunday night against Green Bay at home coming off a couple of sluggish weeks. Uh, I don't like Green Bay's chances in Green Bay after handling our Cowboys were pretty terrible last week. But then Tennessee. Tennessee's a good football team. They play good football. The Eagles uh, could have trouble certainly with Tennessee. Then at the Giants. We'll see. 
have the Giants stood up and played a really good game here against the Cowboys and still are fighting for their playoff lives? I think that's probably the case, so they could lose to the Giants. At Chicago would have seemed easy, and we don't know whether Fields will be back and playing by then, but if he is, the Bears are dangerous. And then right here, December 24th, our great Christmas present, here come the fucking Eagles who we owe like crazy. And do you not want to go to the game and talk to Sirianni, whatever, Nick, whatever the hell his name is, screaming at everyone, screaming at our head coach and our fans and everyone else because of their victory in Philadelphia with Cooper Rush, a quarterback, no offense. Fuck you, Nick Sirianni. We're ready. This shit will be ready on December 24th. Uh, then the Eagles also have New Orleans, who knows, and then they got the Giants. So, do I see another loss in here for the Eagles? One? Oh, hell yes. And then one more on December 24th? Oh, hell yes. And maybe the Cowboys can still get where they want to be, which is at the top of the NFC East with a really good seed with some home games. That's what we're talking about. Injuries for the Cowboys. I have a list, but I'm going to start with the good news. Tyron Smith has been at the facility off and on for the last two weeks, working a lot. And now... I'm looking and I'm asking and I'm reading between the lines and reading the tea leaves. And I think maybe Tyron Smith suits up. You'll like this at left tackle on December 24th, another Christmas present against the Philadelphia Eagles. Tyler Smith will move inside the left guard. That shouldn't be a big deal for him. He'll probably get some work there before Tyron gets back to get everybody sort of ready for what's going to happen. James Washington, the wide receiver the Cowboys acquired or that was with Pittsburgh last year, who has not played a game this year actually may be ready as soon as next week. So next week or the week after. I don't really know what to expect, except to tell you that when he was in Pittsburgh, he was really good at one thing. He's good at getting deep. He's good at running straight down the sidelines, uh, making the safety chase him, and he's good at catching balls over the shoulder and giving the Cowboys a deep threat, which they could use. So those are injured guys about to come back. How about another injured guy about to maybe step in? Odell Beckham Jr. This conversation continues don't have this verified yet, but he said he's going to meet with both the Giants and the Cowboys after Thanksgiving. There are those who believe he's already in town and he will be at this game and you'll see him on camera sitting in Jerry Sweet, I assume, for the game tomorrow. I don't know that. I don't have that verified. That's what I have heard. So still feeling good about that. If you get James Washington back and Gallup seems to be getting a little bit healthier and CD seems to be running better routes. Mm -hmm. um, do you want to give Odell Beckham Jr. what will be a two-and-a-half or three-year contract, rest of this year and the next two? That's probably what's going to have to be on the table to get Odell Beckham. And as much as I've said here in the last couple of shows, this isn't really a choice anymore. If is going to continue to be sloppy in his routes, we have to help the quarterback get better and be able to play better like he did last week. I think Odell Beckham Jr. is no longer a luxury. He's a necessity. I think I still feel that way, but think about this, because this is what occurred to me when all of this came up, when the Cowboys didn't get a trade done. Odell Beckham Jr. has had two ACL surgeries. Apparently, the last one was so bad that it didn't really work, and then it happened again in the Super Bowl to him, and then he's had another ACL injury, and boy, does he feel better, and doctors clearing him. You've seen him probably on YouTube doing his workouts, but he hasn't worked out with a team yet. He hasn't done football activities yet. Are we just okay assuming Odell Beckham Jr. at 30, will be 31 next year, is worthy of a two-and-a-half-year contract roughly at around what Amari Cooper money would have been if he'd be here? And how hot has he been, oddly enough, in Cleveland all of a sudden? All of that okay with you? I, I think it is with me. 
They can handle the salary cap. Odell is an impactful player and personality that I think would bring nothing at this point in his career but good. My question is, will he be the same guy that we watched in the playoffs last year? Because in the playoffs for the Rams last year, in four games I believe they played, he had four touchdowns. He was, to say the least, impactful. And Cooper Cup was over there still playing, and it made that team more dynamic. It made it tough to cover that team for the Cincinnati Bengals. And lo and behold, the Rams win a Super Bowl. We're all good with that. I think I'm just going to go ahead and say, yes, I've seen the videos. He knows his body. At this age, he's been through this. Uh, he knows what what he can do and how he feels. Um, he hasn't played a whole lot of football in the last two years, really, to be honest with you. So maybe his body's not all that old. I don't remember him taking that many giant hits. He's hard to catch. So I think I'm okay. Just want to throw it out there when you have Thanksgiving Day conversations about definitely going to do that. Definitely he wants to come here. Definitely, definitely. We feel okay about two ACL surgeries for a 30-year-old in the last 18 months. I guess we do. The defensive line issues here were the guys. Hankins, Dante Fowler, and Terrell Basham were the ones who had non-COVID illness and had everyone wearing masks. And cornerback Kelvin Joseph was the fourth player. So those were the guys that actually it was, I think it was Monday we first started hearing about this. And then another showed up on Tuesday and it became a group of four. Masks went on. McCarthy was not messing around with this. I totally agree. Uh, other issues for the Cowboys. Parsons, knee ankle, hamstring, and groin, all of this started, and we saw it with that little move on the sidelines maybe four weeks ago where he got to the sidelines and he kind of stopped awkwardly, uh, and he tweaked a little something in that groin area and around the knee. It hasn't gotten better. He is young, but he goes a million miles an hour, and I think all the rest of this has manifested itself out of that original little tweak. Knee, ankle, hammy, groin, essentially DNP'd this week, but he was at the facility. He was on the courts. He's looking around and he's whatever he is, 23 years old. He'll be fine. Tank says he has both ankles that are an issue. Scared us a little bit. I read somewhere that somebody said he felt like maybe there was another broken, broken bone in that metacarsal ankle thing that he had surgery on. There's just no way that's the case. If that happened, those bones in the foot are extremely painful. After we thought maybe he said that, he was out pulling the cords, going back and forth for the last couple of days. There's no way there's a broken bone again in that repaired ankle or foot. If there was, he wouldn't be out there. Um, Oseo Digizua has a knee issue that is bothering him. He's playing through it. And the only one really concerning for me is Anthony Barr. I'm ready to get Anthony Barr back on the field. He's been extraordinarily impactful alongside Leighton Vander Esch. Uh, if not, uh, Damone Clark will be the one who steps in there. This is going to be a lot of tackling. This is going to be a very physical football team. Not very many throws coming out of the New York Giants. I just don't see how they can. I really don't. So that's that's how I feel. That's what's going on. Here's something that I've been hearing. And, and fans are fans. And you guys have been 26 years without being to genuinely meaningful playoff games. And I get. But I want to squelch something right now. This has not been a typical up and down season. This, this, this was what I heard a lot and got a lot of emails and texts and social media shit from people who said, typical Cowboys, give a game up to the Packers that they should have won and then come back and trounce Minnesota in a game that they shouldn't have won. That's what they've been doing for 26 years. This is not the same. And this has not been an up and down football season. 
Tampa Bay came in here in week one, too ready, too strong, too fast for this Cowboys team. This Cowboys team was not ready for that game. It was obvious to everyone. Then Dak got hurt. And then we all said, holy shit, we got 16 more weeks of this with a tank, uh, situation coming and maybe we're going to choose a different quarterback and maybe we're going to figure out how to get uh, out from underneath some of Dak's contract. What do we do? Uh Uh-oh, but it didn't happen. Mike McCarthy stepped up. Cooper Rush stepped up. Uh, Dan Quinn stepped up. The defense played great. And this team kept a steady stern for the next five weeks, winning four out of those five games and ending up four and two when Dak Prescott came back to play. This hasn't been an up-and-down season. His injury should have been devastating in years past. Do you remember how many times Romo got hurt and how many times the season was essentially over? Essentially, every time Romo got hurt, the season was over, but not this year. That didn't happen. This team has been steady. It's been very good defensively. Its disposition, its togetherness, its attitude has been the same all year long. We are a defense-based football team that runs the football, that now, as I've been asking for four or five weeks, is working on getting more dynamic on the offensive side of the football with Dak Prescott finally, finally, and really last week for me was the first time looking like He had no doubts about his leg and his lower body. I am not concerned about the hand, okay? The hand seems to be fine. He's made touch throws on layered throws just over the linebackers, just in front of the safeties and the cornerbacks. He's doing those things that say, okay, he can feel it. He can feel the football. He's got the touch that he needs to have. I'm not worried about that. I was always worried about the catastrophic knee injury that in the second half of last year when the calf came back, looked like it wasn't right. He looked like a guy who didn't believe, and he looked that way when he got hurt in the Tampa game, and he really didn't look like I wanted to look and you wanted to look until finally last week. Did you see Romo pointing out beautifully how his feet were moving in the pocket? He, he went from this read to that read to that read. Listen, between you and I, that hasn't been his best attribute since he came into this league. He came into this league as a guy who basically never taken a snap under center, even in college, and he wasn't ready. And then Romo gets hurt and the backup is hurt, and all of a sudden Dak is in and the world is perfect and uh, they can run the ball to the tune of 1,700 yards for Zeke and everything is easy for the quarterback and good. He's a star. It all happened way too fast. It shouldn't have happened that fast. They should have put Romo back in in week 12 and Dak's contract and the rest of his life would have been easier and it would have been delayed. It's going back too far. The hell with that shit. What happened, happened. Dak Prescott is a winner, is a great young man and is an extraordinarily hard worker who had a catastrophic injury to his leg. Can you imagine looking down and seeing that leg going different directions and even having a thought about whether I'm going to play football again? What you want to know is, Will I be able to get married and have kids and play with my kids? Because my leg is fucked. That's what he thought. And I could see that at the end of last year. You could see it in the Tampa game. And you could see it still some when he came back from this injury this year. But I think it's gone. He ran aggressively. When he got out of the pocket, he was aggressive. He moved his feet and his ass, all that stuff, right, that you saw last year. He was doing all of that. And now Dak Prescott looks healthy to me. And if he's healthy... It's not just his lower body and his hand. It's also his mind. So we're where we need to be. This has not been an up and down season. The leadership of this football team, and I include players and coaches, has been very steady through 12 wins last year and what is probably going to be another 12 wins this year. Pretty damn good. So don't let anybody tell you, same old fucking Cowboys. They win the ones they're not supposed to win and they lose too many they're supposed to lose and same shit, same shit. Okay. The San Francisco game disappointed you. Maybe the offensive coordinator should have been fired over that. That was not very good in the playoffs. 
But other than that, this has been pretty damn good for two years. This this is not an up and down team. This team is ready. Dan Quinn, Micah Parsons, Mike McCarthy, Diggs, Zach Martin, Zeke, Pollard, CD to a point, Dalton Schultz playing hurt. Now, finally, Dak Prescott, all of those guys and more lead and have gotten this where you want it to be. It's Thanksgiving Day tomorrow. Now, I want to tell you the game plan that you should have ready. Start thinking about this tonight because you're going to have family around and kids and you're going to have honeydews and things you're supposed to do. So here's how it's supposed to go. Do not roll out of bed at 1030. If you roll out of bed at 1030 tomorrow, you're going to have some eggs and some pancakes. And then you're still going to be too full when it's time to eat lunch because it's time to eat lunch for you tomorrow between 1130 and 12 when Buffalo plays Detroit. You don't give a shit. Buffalo's quarterback is still struggling. This will probably be a rel relatively low-scoring game. That's when you're supposed to be eating. If you want to eat in front of the game, do it. But get up. Get up at 8.30 or 9. Have your pancakes and your eggs. Be nice to your family. Take the dog out. Go for a walk with your family. Do whatever you want to do. But you got to get your day set, okay? So you cannot stay in bed until 10.30. Up at 8 or 8.30. Doing what you're supposed to do. Eating your pancakes and eggs. Saying hello to the family because you're not going to talk to them for a good four or five-hour period in the middle of the day. So breakfast early, lunch at 11.30 or 12 while Buffalo and Detroit are playing. Get yourself relaxed. And at 3.30, the Dallas Cowboys and the New York Giants will play on Thanksgiving Day. And the Cowboys will knock the crap out of this team at 3.30 to roughly 5.30. You'll already know by 5.30 that this is a victory. You will have had some beer or some wine or maybe a shot or two if you're indulging the kids that are around you. You'll have a little bit of pie at halftime and you'll be feeling pretty damn good because you'll have an eight and three football team that has now leapfrogged the New York Giants and is eyeballing the shit out of the Philadelphia Eagles. Dinner again at 6.45 because we're men and that's what we do. Pats and Vikings, yeah, could be low scoring, and you could also watch the Vikings grab another L, and then you're sort of in your mind leapfrogging the Vikings. The seed just keeps getting better. The turkey's better. The pie's better the second time around. Lots of whipped cream, please, and you'll be basking in the damn glow. A trip to Fancoma will come in there at some point. That could be during Pats and Vikings as well. You just crack an eye open and see that the Vikings are losing again, and that's it. That's what I have. But make sure you adhere to the plan. Tell the wife and the kids how the plan is going to go. We're getting up early. Anything you need me to do happens between 8 and 11. I'm having lunch at 11.30, so I will be all settled in for Cowboys at 3.30 with a beverage in my hand, a smile on my face as the Cowboys, Dak Prescott, and Dan Quinn's defense kick the shit out of the New York Giants. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Thanks for watching Off of the Helmets. As always, courtesy of DSP Media. If there's anything you need to know before... Uh, the game tomorrow morning, if anything happens, I'll be out there sending things out. Find us at Off of the Helmets and DSP Media. Thanks for watching. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Happy holidays. Thanks for watching.